Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Nick Davis! Nick Davis! I don't believe it! I see it, but I don't believe it! Time for another I see it, but I don't believe it. I've got Luke Ferguson back with me today. We're talking AFLW today, a very specific part of the 2018 AFLW season, uh, Brooke Lachlan's breakout game. And you're a Western Bulldogs fan in the AFLW, aren't you? That's right, yep. So Bombers in the men's, but they don't have a women's team yet in the AFLW. They didn't have in the BFLW, though. But basically, had to find a team. Couldn't go on as a neutral. I needed to get behind a team. Figured, well... Bulldogs I mean, you should have gone for Melbourne, but whatever. <laughs> well, that's, that's what it came down to, because Bulldogs and Dees, they were the pioneers with the exhibition games in many respects. That's why they should have the season opener. Yeah. That's just my opinion, though. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so it came down to those two, and I went with the uh, Daughters of the West. Yes. Awesome. So this was round four in 2018, and Brooke Lachlan was kind of a, a bit of an unknown entity. She kicked, I think, one goal in the previous season. She wasn't known as a forward. She was a midfielder. She was yeah. She played more of a midfield role up to that point, and they really swung her forward um, in that season, particularly uh, as a need because they had lost KB, lost Katie Brennan uh, the week before against the Crows, uh, and they'd also lost Izzy Huntington uh, before that too. And yeah. Izzy and KB were really seen as two of our main prominent forwards. Izzy was having a really good game up to that point. I think she kicked like back to back goals. I can't remember if it was that game or if it might have been the week before, but I'm pretty sure she got a Rising Star nomination yep. out of that. And then obviously KB too, um, disappointingly too, because she had injury struggles. Brooke really was swung forward <laughs> as a um, great knee, but also like just emerging as this really like standout prominent small forward for us. Mm. Yeah, so this one was at Witten Oval. It was um, attended by nearly 9,000 people, which awesome. And it was Western Bulldogs Carlton. It was the Pride match. For the for the women's season, which was awesome, and um, I think in the twenty eighteen season we saw a bit more of a gulf between the really good teams and the maybe more disappointing teams. Whether and that boy, did we see it on that night in yeah. particular with the uh, record for the highest score and also highest another margin. record for the highest margin yeah. as well between the dogs and their defeat on uh, for Carlton. So um, it it kind of the the end score Western Bulldogs. Kicked 12 14 86. Carlton unfortunately kicked just the two goals, 1 13. Lauren Arnell, the only um, goal kicker for the Blues, as much well. maligned too. Much maligned that season, and I think she showed the Blues selectors and coaches why they probably should have been selecting her because she really was the uh, standout for the Blues in that game, kicking those two goals. And Except um, for that one kick across. <laughs> But we won't talk about that. Well, maybe yeah, we'll Ellie Blackburn uh, let her know about that too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but in particular too, um, just as a quick tangent, I, I suppose, but really looking forward to seeing how Loza goes up um, up north and Brisbane as well because I think like 
it's like a rich get richer, you know. They, they lost a handful of players with the uh, Geelong and North Melbourne um, introductions to AFLW, but getting Loz just from an experience standpoint, like they, they've got a good mix of experience and youth up there and, and a lot of great youth. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, you, you'd only have so much to gain from adding someone as experienced um, in women's footy as uh, Loz are now. So it'd be great to see how they go. But yeah, <laughs> back to the pride thing. She, came, she <laughs> seems pretty level headed, I think, which is yeah. really beneficial. Um, it kind of like, the Luke Hodge going to Brisbane thing, just like an, an intelligent head on it's the a field. Great comparison, yeah. yeah, not that I like comparing it to men's, <laughs> but you know, um, in terms of that experience, though, in particular, because not even just with um, the Blues, obviously starting with them, but also with the Darwin Falcons as well. Like she had been a great leader and um, a great sort of experienced player for the Falcons as well. So yeah, yeah. Um, so Brooke Lockland was a former really high-level ice skater. So she wasn't even a footballer per se for a lot of time, which I know that not many of the AFLW players were because there weren't pathways, all that sort of stuff. But she was kind of on track to be an Olympian. And it's funny because this game was while the Winter Olympics was on. Um, so a lot of, like, comparisons were being made. And both teams were coming off their first loss of the season. And while we say there was a big gulf between Carlton and the Western Bulldogs, yes, Carlton had come into this game having won just as many as the dogs, but Carlton were not convincing. Yeah, and I think this game really was what showed or what was sort of brought about that gulf in a way because it really did highlight that the Bulldogs were going to be one of the contenders of that season leading all the way up to round seven when obviously there was effectively what felt like a preliminary final. And I'm sorry, Jim, I know that you're a <laughs> fan in, so the, in the W. Um, but, yeah, like, Obviously, that game effectively was like a preliminary final. And a lot of those games that weekend were too. The Brisbane needed to get a win over the Giants in that yeah. final round to get in, and they did, um, which is a shame because I really thought the Giants would um, win that one. And I guess if I had to have a second team, I'd low-key a favourite of the Giants. I really like them a lot. But, uh, <laughs> but it's, it's a complete traitor. <laughs> Uh, I know. Um, but, yeah, and then obviously the Blues really went on to struggle. I don't think they won another game. No, I don't think they did. the first two and went on to win the spoon in that sense so they really fun fact struggle. first club to win both wooden spoons in one season ah calm anyway so both teams were coming off their first loss of the season um pride match was kind of the way this was branded so it wasn't so much about the matchup as it was about what the game was representing and obviously in the aflw there's a lot of um, queer identifying players so it does mean a lot to them as well so it was really cool that they were able to get out there and and play with those jerseys on, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. In particular, too, I think, obviously, in the VFLW, or I guess the VWFL before that, I hope I got that acronym right. Yeah, I think But the um, Darren Falcons and Melbourne University had done a wonderful job, too, with the Pride game. Uh, I think it's up at Hamilton. I hope I've got that right. I'm fairly sure it's Hamilton. Yeah. Um, if I'm wrong, please feel free to uh, correct me. I really <laughs> hope I got that right, though. But, yeah, in the VFLW, the um, Falcons and Melbourne University have done had done a wonderful job with the Pride game um, at the state level, but also, yeah, that sort of naturally extending into the AFLW, particularly with uh, Carlton and the Bulldogs. I think quite a few players from Falcons and um, University would have been playing for those teams. Brooke, for example, with um, playing for Melbourne University, but also... Um, obviously KB, um, her strong ties to the Falcons and a few other players as well, um, and Carney from Melbourne University um, as well. So, yeah, it was really fantastic to um, see in particular the AFLW, both the players, of course, but also the 
AFLW sort of fans, supporters, and in particular, as you said, you know, the LGBTQ community uh, really rally around that game, particularly at such a significant time, obviously, with the, um, with the whole postal survey, the plebiscite yeah. and everything, with the resounding sort of yes vote, and the Bulldogs really getting behind that. And I know there's obviously conjecture around Carlton's stance as a club, but obviously the players didn't have any uh, part to play in that, and a lot of those players are, were very vocal in their support, and mm. many you know LGBTIQ-identifying players themselves for both those teams and, and across the AFLW for all of the teams, really. So I think, like you said... It, Seeing you know, seeing the Bulldogs and the Golden players wearing Guernseys with the prides of colours on it and the pride sort of you know, flags and the fans that had come to the game, you know, obviously a lot of the pride groups or the LGBTIQ sort of fan groups for the Bulldogs um, and Carlton as well coming to those games. You know, it was it was a fantastic sort of occasion. Really highlight you know that sport means so much for so many, and in particular the LGBTIQ community, how much that Pride game obviously meant. And I know I don't have it um, here directly on me, but for those of you that have got, you know, the AFLW footy almanac, the, the 17th season, but also the 18th season, which has uh, Scotty on the front with the Premiership Cup, which happy to always uh, brag about that <laughs> in particular. But, yeah, obviously seeing some of the stories of fans that were at that game that are covered in that almanac, there's some really wonderful stories of our fans um, and their experiences at that game as well as obviously I was also at the Pride game myself. And, and to this day, like, women's, men's footy, AFL men's, AFL women's, VFLW as well, like the Pride game just from the sheer atmosphere, the crowd, the energy that night – and particularly just that occasion and what it meant even more so than just the sort of the game and the context of those team seasons, like for everything that it sort of comes together and means uh, for all those fans, to me it's easily probably the best game or my favourite game that I've been to in recent memory. Like it was just such an important occasion in the context of everything, both both on the sporting side of it but also in the political as well. Everything with the postal survey and the push to win for married equality, you know, love wins in the end. And I think that game in particular was a real strong sort of really positive, um, shining light on the importance of that push for equality. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, women in footy often cop a lot of shit, and being fans of women's footy, we often cop a lot of shit. But it was nice to be able to just enjoy the game for what it was. And having an unexpected thing happen in Brooke Lachlan kind of becoming the leading goal scorer of the competition. Um, no one expected it because she'd only kicked one goal in the previous season. She'd been playing great on Lee's midfielder as well. She really had to be pushed uh, forward in that role because Izzy Huntington uh, yeah. had done her ACL a couple of weeks back. And hopefully Izzy is often healthy, you know, knock on wood uh, for this coming season. And, and Katie Brennan as well. Like KB had also gone down the wood prior against the Crows. So really it was all, it was out of necessity that Brooke had to go forward to play that role. And she, boy, did she uh, seize the moment really yeah. um, in that way um, and announce herself to the competition as one of the premier small forwards. Well, outside of this game, um, she played obviously six other games in 2018 and she only kicked five goals in those other six games. So that that's kind of setting, like creating the context of why this was so significant, what she did. But I think the previous most goals kicked by a player was Erin Phillips uh, for a total of four goals, which I think she'd done at least twice. And I believe... I could be wrong, but one of them was the week prior against, against Bulldogs. Yeah. So she kicked four goals, I believe, against the Bulldogs um, the week earlier. And then Brooke obviously had surpassed that in just in... Well, she equaled it in the second quarter alone. Yeah. But then went on to surpass it by the end of the game, um, kicking the seven goals. 
Yeah, so let's go through the goals one by one because I like talking about how some of them were very similar, but also some of them were very different. It's almost like every single one of them has its own like story or part of that game. It is, it is remarkable. I'm watching the highlights of it too, obviously with the commentary as well, Kelly, um, Kelly Underwood, yep. as well as the other um, commentators uh, for that game in particular. Like Kelly's call, but it was excellent. Yeah, I like um, her a lot. Yeah. Oh, no, she's a, she's a fantastic commentator. There's a lot of great uh, commentators for the AFLW There's in particular. one really terrible one, but whatever. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, um, so goal one, it's the second quarter. The pack collides in the dog's forward 50. Um, and Lachlan gets a free for being held off the ball, mm-hmm. uh, which was pretty blatant. I think Carlton at this point were just scrambling a little bit. Um, and she goes back, sets shot. She's near the boundary about 30 metres out and just slots it. It's a beautiful kick. And Western Bulldogs 16 points up to Carlton zero. So that was just like, okay, regulation goal, cool. Let's uh, see what happens next. And then not long after that, same quarter, Emma Carney, uh, noted Western Bulldogs now Hawthorne player, uh, Hawthorne North Not Melbourne Martin. player. God, they're both terrible teams. That's why in my head they're the same thing. <laughs> um, nah, yeah, that's true though. Um, Carney, <laughs> she bombs it inside fifty, and it doesn't hit a target. It was just kind of a kick in hope kind of thing. And uh, Lachlan again, she was really nimble off the packs and managed to crumb it and. Um, just snap it really classily from directly in front, about 25 metres out. Just beautiful. It was just like she just knew where the goals were and could aim for them. And um, I remember speaking... It's like she had a sixth sense in that night or more like a seventh sense. Yeah. But, but it's, you just knew she was on. But it's the thing, yeah. like, sometimes players just can find the goals. They're just yeah. they're almost, like, engineered to go that way in a way. Um, and, I, I mean, talking about other, like, notable important goals in the past like the Nick Davis in 2005 thing he could just find them in that quarter and then like the Ben Ronk thing the one that you brought up well they're both Sydney related (laughs) um you know like they they could just find the goals because they they just knew that that's where they were kind of thing and that's that's what Brooke was doing this evening so the score is Western Bulldogs 23 Carlton 0 so at this point Brooke had kicked half of their score of the dog's score Mm mm-hmm Still in the second quarter. There's like a neat handball from then-rookie um, Bonnie Toogood, who is an outstanding player. Um, just a neat little and handball. Outstanding on Instagram as well. She's very funny. She had an AFRW account takeover for their photo day. Uh, it was either yesterday or perhaps the day before. I can't quite recall, but fantastic on the Insta. Yeah, she's good. And um, so neat little handball from to, to, from Toogood. Brooke just turns, kicks it. Goal. It's just like it was just coming almost too easily to her this game. And it was like, how are you doing this when you haven't really played forward? Just she was just that talented, and Carlton's defense just had no answers for her. They had no answers whatsoever, and like they they were heavily depleted um, on the injury front. Like Taylor Harris, I believe, was also suspended for that game for a punch, <laughs> but also Bree Davy had obviously yeah. uh, gone down with her ACL injury. And, Knock on wood, fingers crossed, she comes back this season for the Blues. Although playing at forward, which will be very interesting. <laughs> but re- really hopeful that she has a great season coming back for the Blues as well. But, yeah, they, they were quite depleted on the injury front. And I think the Hosking sisters in particular, I'm, I'm fairly sure both of them played. I could yeah, be wrong on that front. both of them played. Um, but, yeah. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Like, obviously, was it Sarah who was captain for that game? Yeah, Sarah. Yeah, I believe so. Um, had a really huge job to do um, in leading that side and her own role in the team in particular. And, like, at times, yeah, like you said, the, the Blues players unfortunately just had no answers and were really outclassed from the first bounce. And, uh, like you said, you know, foot, footy's a funny game. It's a game of momentum in sometimes. And in the case of Brooke and the seven goals, like, from the moment she kicked that first one, it just went again and again and again mm-hmm. and again and again and again <laughs> until she got until she got to seventh heaven. So, yeah, like like you said, you know, she just had this sense around the goal around the goal square and around the goal, and just it was just an incredible performance from her. And like you know, as you've been going through these, uh, each goal one by one, like every single one of them has their own little sort of unique story to them and a little snapshot from that game that is just so memorable. And it also highlights other important players in the side in terms of getting the ball to her and things like that. So, Like new co-captain Ellie Blackburn. Love Ellie Blackburn. Um, so we're up to goal four. Still in the second quarter, no player has ever done this in the history of the AFLW. Libby Birch kicks it long into the 50 and it kind of skids along the ground. It looks like it's going to go through for a behind and it's just like skidding along. Mm-hmm. And Lachlan... I mean, bloody fast, sprints sprints down, manages to get a boot on it and change the direction of the ball, goes through for a goal, and everyone's like, what? Why not? What just happened? <laughs> um, so, goal. Western Bulldogs now 43, Carlton 0. It's starting to look a little bit sad for Carlton, but also everyone was just marvelling at the fact that this ice skater, who should by all rights be at the Winter Olympics right now, <laughs> is just putting on an absolute classy show for everyone despite Carlton's difficulties. Um, now we're into the third quarter. Uh, we're up to her fifth goal, obviously, when you count from four to five. Um, <laughs> now this is the one that I want to talk about because Kirsty Lamb does not get enough credit for this. She does not. No. Outstanding player. She kicked it so perfectly to Lachlan, who was – so Kirsty Lamb is just outside the 50 – um, Lachlan's running in, sprinting in. The kick from Lamb, if this hadn't have been as perfect, the goal would not have been as easy to come by. This kick was pinpoint accurate, it, right onto Brooke's chest. Brooke was then able to sprint into goal. She even had time to slow down, take a look behind her, and then stop and just kick the ball through. There was no one coming for her. But again, if if this kick from Kirsty Lamb hadn't have been as good as it was, Lachlan probably would have fumbled and had to take her time. Back at that part of the 50, there was someone on her tail, but by the time she was able to take it cleanly and run in. So Kirsty Lamb, that one's for you, I, I say. <laughs> Seriously, that kick, outstanding. If, if more players could kick like that, fire out. Yeah. Carlton might 
pretty good. And they might have had more goal kickers than Lauren Arnell, unfortunately. Yeah. Because they're only goal kicker for the night. But, yeah, I think particularly in the post game um, and the interviews, I, I distinctly recall really, you know, as is often the case, you know, full credit to the to the girls in that sense, but, like, really crediting her teammates. Yeah. Um, and really sort of drawing to attention just how important they were. And like you said, Kirsty, for instance, but also Ella Blackburn, who mentioned earlier with um, another couple sort of assists too. Like it really was a, a, a dominant performance across the board from that whole team. And like you said, whether it was the experienced heads like Emma Carney, who was um, fantastic that evening, but also younger players. You know, Ellie Blackburn is still like so, so early into her career. And it's, it's an incredible yeah. just how good she already is, but how much better she likely um, will continue to be, um, particularly now hopefully relishing that role as our co-captain, I reckon. But also players like Bonnie Dukud, like yeah. you said, She's absolute great. star on the field and on the Instagram. But also, yeah, just like so many uh, important players to that Bulldog side. And really, I think this performance really highlighted what their strength would be going forward for the remainder of the season all the way through to the grand final against Brisbane and just how important, you know, that collective team effort was. Because I think really the Bulldogs were a team of like a great sort of team um, and collective of players rather than any one or two individual stars. Um, I think collectively as a whole and even with players that have left such as Arnie um, to North, um, Jenna Bruden, as well as uh, Astro O'Connor, who was a personal favourite of mine and a Falcon <laughs> supporter. But also, yeah, seeing those players go um, is unfortunate. But at the same time, I think, you know, players like Bonnie, as well as Monconti, who got best in grand, um, grand final in particular, but a lot of those younger players coming through, easy coming back as well, and obviously we'll hopefully we'll have KB back healthy too. There's so many key players from that premiership side coming into the new season, and I think the Pride game in particular against Carlton really highlights the dog's strength yeah. in that regard. And Brooke is obviously, you know, that game, you know, and the seven goals was such an incredible um, individual performance, but even in the subsequent weeks, she kept getting bags of two goals or three goals or along those lines, like she continued to kick goals. It wasn't just sort of a one-off. And ultimately, even even just kicking those seven goals meant that she was probably always going to um, go on to win the leading goal kicker <laughs> for that season. But she really did nev- never let up um, in that sense. And really, she we, we, the dogs couldn't afford to because she really did stand up when obviously with the loss of um, Huntington and the loss of KB really meant that we needed someone to stand up um, down forward and she really rose to the occasion. Yeah. Um, and just the fact that she had the instincts to do what she did was impressive as someone who hadn't spent a lot of time there. But let's talk about goal number six because this one's very controversial. <laughs> We're into the fourth quarter. Um, Utree kicks it to Lockland, who's close to the top of the 50, um, and she takes a set shot. It was a bit of a flat kick. There was no one in the goal score except for teammate Bonnie Toogood who went to take the mark, clearly touched the ball, <laughs> and it went. But it went through her fingers, through for what was called a goal. Even Toogood, when standing there, was waiting for it to be called a behind, and then was a little bit shocked when it was called a goal. It was touched. And Brooke Lachlan knows it was touched, but it goes down in history books as her sixth goal for the evening. Um, so, I don't know. Say what you will about that. I'm not impressed. <laughs> it looked touched. If it hadn't been called, or if it had been called behind, we wouldn't have had all those amazing seventh heaven uh, 
headlines for all the articles. <laughs> about performance. And I think Jess Wushner would be equal leading goal scorer for the season, wouldn't she? Oh, thereabouts, yeah. Wush was real close. And Wush easily would be in my top three like favourite players outside yeah. of the Bulldogs. Um, and I'm so excited to see how she goes uh, this season again with the, uh, with the Lions. But, yeah, Wush was really hot on her tail uh, throughout the season as one of the best goal kickers in the competition. Most consistent goal and kicker of the season. Definitely, yeah. I would say, most consistent as well. Certainly agree with you there, Gemma. So, yeah, yeah certainly, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's a funny game. It, it, it wasn't the first and it certainly won't be the last moon no. ride. And I'm, I'm very <laughs> grateful that it went through, uh, bias and all, because, like I said, 7th Heaven uh, sounds a lot better than, I guess, just what it would have been. Six goals. <laughs> Um, so that was the sixth goal, and then we're up to the last one. Um, it's the last quarter. The game is well and truly decided. Um, well and truly. Yeah. But there's a spiralling ball sent into a crowded Western Bulldogs forward 50, and Lachlan just read it best. And it's kind of funny how you watch how these goals happened, and then I guess the mirror image again. I don't like comparing it to the men's, but – the mirror image of the Ben Rock seven goals in the men's season a few months later, the final goal kind of came about in a very similar way where they just read it best behind the pack. It just carried and landed on their chest and they were both able to take that mark and then take a set shot from a really close, from from very close in. So it was it's kind of funny how both of those just landed the same way. Um, and it is kind of representative of, yes, they've played a very good game and, yes, they're very talented and they've worked hard, but it's also their day. And a lot of it has to do with that where it's just like that ball was always going to land on her chest. It was never going to get to anyone else. Exactly. Um, so she takes a set show about 20 metres out and, and kicks her seventh and everyone was just like, all right, so um, that's just happened. She's just kicked seven goals. No one in the history of AFLW has ever done that. So... It was pretty exciting, but also I think part of it was exciting because it was no one anyone expected to do it. Um, she was a player that most people hadn't even heard of. It wasn't like a forward that was building to this and had a breakout game. It or wasn't anything. Katie Brennan for the Bulldogs or it wasn't Aaron Phillips for the Crows. Or Mo and a Hope. Or Mo and a Hope uh, for the Pies and now seem to be uh, with the uh, Kangas. So, yeah, you're right. And I think, like you said as well, particularly with the uh, sort of history with her coming from sort of that ice skating background like it, it really is remarkable and in games like this and, and as particular a standout as this game is but so many others as well it really just highlights the incredible sort of backgrounds diversity and the stories uh that these players bring with them whether it's players like aaron phillips who's come from a professional or elite level sporting background in the um the WNBA, uh, but also players like Brooke, who'd obviously come from another particular sport or code, Brie Davey having previously played our football with the Matildas, for instance, and other sort of players that have come from other code backgrounds because when they weren't able to continue playing uh, footy or when they got to that sort of age where they can't play with the boys anymore in that sense, then they weren't didn't have those pathways to the elite level that the men have had for so long that obviously um, they branch out into other backgrounds, whether it's cricket. And McCartney, for instance, playing with the uh, Melbourne Stars and just often playing for the Melbourne Renegades. And um, I hope it's okay to mention this, but as we record today, Duff's playing uh, for the Renegades. Bloody love Jess Duffin. In the WBBL. So hopefully uh, Duffin and the girls uh, get it done today in, the, in their semifinals. So that'll be great. But like obviously players like them as well. Jenna McCormick. Yep. Yeah. So Dual's, hey, Jenna McCormick, another fantastic example. And these 
awesome dual um, sporting um, athletes as well, but also players like Chloe Malloy and Izzy Huntington, these younger players coming through who have had the um, benefit of having that sort of pathway um, and, and the more players that will continue to come through as those pathways have continued to be developed as well. So you have this incredible cross-section, this incredible mix of players, both young and experienced from all sorts of different other sporting backgrounds and in really unique ones like Brooks. So Brooks' background with the ice skating obviously is quite unique compared to, say, a football or a basketball background and like i said the stories that these players sort of um bring with them and these the stories that they share and that they tell it it is so remarkable i think it's a real strength to the aflw and it's something that i really love about it Uh, so yeah it's it it was just a remarkable performance um amongst so many really you know remarkable stories and remarkable um, performances across season two and it obviously just you know probably from the you can hear from the way that we're talking (laughs) we're really excited for season three uh, to get underway um, and the doggies in that uh, premiership defence. That's right. Melbourne's going to win everything this year. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Um, just before we wrap this up, because um, we've been chatting about this for a while, um, <laughs> just a couple of records that uh, this game created. So the previous individual goal record was four goals, as we mentioned. So this was obviously surpassing that with seven goals. It was the highest team score in AFLW history. It was the highest individual goal tally, as we said, in AFLW history and the largest winning margin in AFLW history at the time, which was 73 points. So it was a pretty significant game right across the board. It was pretty sad for Carlton. But in terms of, I I think the good thing about this game is that we all remember it as Brooke Lachlan's seven goals. We don't remember it as Carlton were terrible. I think it was more that Western Bulldogs were just that good. not And like Carlton were not good. Let's not act like they were but it's memorable because the dogs were amazing not memorable because the because Carlton went back it was a complete performance. that makes sense yeah and it was a complete performance from that side in addition to Brooks incredible uh, seven goal haul but just as a team and as she sort of credit uh, credits her teammates you know the performances of Bonnie Too Good or Emma Carney or um Mungonti and Lamb, like you said as well, and Scotty, and all of the players in that side, just it was a complete performance and really was the game where they announced themselves um, as a premiership contender in that com- in the competition that year and why I think going forward they are a team that are really built to contend going forward because they have that great mix of youth and experience. And, you know, they've, they've lost, you know, the reigning best and fairest um, in the AFLW sort of as a whole, with the McCurney winning um, your last uh, last season, who's now gone to uh, the Kangas. But at the same time, with Izzy Huntington hopefully coming back, uh, knock on wood, as well as KB coming back, we have got that mix of the experience and the youth coming through. You know, Ellie Blackburn's got a whole career ahead of her. Mon Conti, Bonnie Tuber, like these are players that hopefully will be around for a long time for the for the Bulldogs. And you know, it's really a testament to that team. But also I think it's a testament to AFLW as a whole with some of these teams. Like even though it's only, you know, that was only the second season and we're only about to come into the third, there's already these really, really talented young players. You know, you look at Geelong who've recruited quite heavily through their VFLW side, the number one pick, Nina Morrison, for instance. You know, you've got these young players coming through that are going to have entire careers ahead of them that will, you know, as fans, as supporters, we have the you know, the privilege and the joy to watch them. Well, yeah, and on that note, I have nothing else to say <laughs> about, well, I have many things to say, but I think we should end it on that note. We could keep talking all day. Yes. Um, thank you so much for coming to chat about 
from Clarkland Seven Goals. Thank you for inviting me. This is me and I see it, but I don't believe it. And um, we'll be back in a couple of days with another episode.